It seems that no matter where you look, there's pop culture news flying around everywhere. But how can you keep up so you're ready to roll when a new episode of the Popcast comes out? Wouldn't it be wonderful if there was one place where you could go to get all the news you want? Then boy do I have good news for you, because Flipboard is here to help. Flipboard curates the world's stories so you can be smarter in your work, life, and play. Choose from thousands of topics to personalize Flipboard, and get the latest stories from the best publishers and experts delivered to you 24-7. Used by millions of people every day, Flipboard is how people move themselves and the world forward. Get started now at Flipboard.com. That's Flipboard.com. This is Episode 9 of the Popcast. Hello, welcome to the Popcast, the pop culture podcast from Vernacular. We're your hosts, Maureen and Josh Goldman. Each week, we'll dive into the latest in pop culture with our three regular segments. First, the snack bag, where we cover some smaller stories from the past week. Second, the marquee topic, where we dive in depth into one pop culture story or event. And third, the teasers, where we give our suggestions for pop culture content you might have missed, but should definitely check out. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Popcast. Josh, welcome back. Thank you, Maureen. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. Maureen, tell me about your lunch today. You had a conversation with your colleagues. You were disappointed. Okay. So we've been trying to do meal prep so that we can have some food to take for lunch. And so we got I got into a rhythm of getting this like microwave quinoa rice and then we do steamed vegetables and some chicken. And Josh, I was like we need some steamed broccoli, some steamable broccoli. Broccoli, any kind of broccoli. Just go get when he was at the grocery store. So he comes back last night. And what did you buy, honey? I I bought um broccoli cuts. Blurg. Basically, and Josh hates the little nubbins of the broccoli. So I don't know. So I go, why did you buy these? Why didn't you just get the floor? It was like the we only always one do. there. I do not believe you. It okay. is a big aisle So just frozen vegetables. Just for everybody who wants to buy frozen broccoli, buy broccoli florets, not broccoli cuts. Okay, so anyway, at work today, I'm eating, and I'm like picking around these disgusting broccoli stems, and everyone's like, what is that? And I explained it to them, and they were horrified, and they did not believe, Josh, that that was the only bag of broccoli Can in I the make a confession frozen. that I also did not eat the broccoli cuts? Yeah, I, I tried to florets. eat as much as I could, but it, it's rough. Ugh, do not get that. Okay, Maureen, we have a little bit of follow-up from last week. Yeah, before we follow up, guys, we have to tell you, Oliver is also here, our little cat. He's currently snuggling into his blanket on our bed and, like, burrowing underneath it. So for now. So for anyone wondering, Oliver's in the house. As soon as he attacks any of these uh, audio cords or, or uh, headphone oh, cords, he's, he's out of here. He's a good little boy. We'll see. Maureen, we have a little bit of follow-up from last week. Zach, who is one of the hosts of the vernacular podcast the the parent podcast and uh, also the host of third string which is the vernacular's sports podcast uh tweeted at me after you gave your teaser from last week which was money diaries on refinery 29 there was uh, one of the particular money diaries recently that was absolutely torn apart by commenters for those of you who don't know uh there was, was a really interesting there was a money diaries uh, edition where Basically, they profiled a person who lived in New York City, uh, was a student. She was an intern, I guess, for the summer. And basically, her parents paid for almost everything for her. And so her, you know, expenditures were a gym membership and avocado toast or something like that. And it was people online were saying, like, of course, you're living this great life in New York City. You don't pay for your rent and you don't pay for anything else. 
Maureen, give Here's us a, a give that, us a little summary of Refinery Twenty Nine's response. The basic gist was, guys, this is Money Diaries. This is the place for people to actually be honest about what they're spending. And you know, the whole point of the series is that it's still kind of taboo to talk about money and to talk about exactly how much you make and exactly what you want to spend your money on. So. I get that everyone was kind of looking at this girl who has a lot of privilege in her life and being like, oh my gosh, but you can't be mad at her because her parents are giving her money. If your parents were giving you money, you'd take it too well, and I think, say thank you. I think that the, the the reaction was more toward the fact that she didn't really come across as if she knew she was privileged. She but was just kind of saying- get that. You cannot get that from a blog post where she's just documenting Yes, but spending. she was writing in her own voice, you would assume. And there were some things in the article that- So the other thing in the Refinery29 like response piece is that they, they basically, and we'll link to it in the show notes because it was really interesting. Um, and look, we, we don't get allowances. We work really hard for our money. So I fully get the, you know, being critical of that. But it's always easier to criticize someone in a situation that you don't know or understand. So- Refinery29 actually said that they hear a lot in comments like, oh, we want, you know, people who make more average salaries or people who are have lower incomes. But the stories that get clicked on the most are the ones that are with absurdly wealthy people. So the readers and the commenters are saying we want to see one thing, but they're not actually reading those stories. So that's just one example. We'll link to the article in the show notes. But it was really interesting. And Refinery29 does a really good job of saying, you know, we're just doing this to kind of reflect what's going on in our culture at all ends of the spectrum from, you know, people who, you know, are struggling to make ends meet all the way up to people who have a ton of disposable income. Maureen, let's jump into the snack bag for this week. We have uh, a couple more topics than usual to cover. I think probably because our marquee topic isn't going to be quite as in-depth today. Well, I think the first one can be brief. This, yes. this article is okay. basically... Right. So I came across this article uh, that was basically, they were, USA Today was covering a casting call that Mark Wahlberg had put out for his new movie. And basically the gist of the casting call was that they needed quote-unquote tough guys. So Maureen, the only reason I put this on here is because I wanted to ask you if I auditioned for this movie, would they even consider me? Am I a tough guy? I don't think so, honey, but I love you. <sighs> okay, I'll have to they're set looking, my sights they, on the next Mark just Wahlberg a, a project. Casting, a casting call, but they're very specific about wanting people who... like With real faces? <laughs> oh, no, no, sorry. Real people with tough faces. I don't know what real faces would be. <laughs> I don't know. No plastic surgery who allowed here, folks. Who has fake faces, yeah. Um, so real people with tough faces. I could put on a well, tough face. Well, you're a real person. No, absolutely. You couldn't. You're a softie at heart. I have a beard. And I love that. Okay. All right, next next topic. Okay, so... Movie Pass. Maureen, are you familiar with Movie Pass? Yeah. A little bit. Okay. So basically it was a program for those of you who don't know where you could pay $10 a month and see unlimited movies in theaters, which just seemed too good to be true. So where we live <laughs> in was. where we live in Northern Virginia, uh, a movie not uh, before noon, which uh, pro tip, if you want to see a cheap movie, go before noon. It's usually about $6 a ticket. Uh, that's a that's a parent pro tip right there. But a movie ticket at you know in the afternoon or the evening can cost fourteen fifteen dollars per ticket. So you would see one movie in a month, and the movie pass would pay for itself. 
Um, essentially, this was not a sustainable model. And after seven months or eight months of this, uh, MoviePass has decided to make some major changes. At first, they said they were going to raise the price to $15 a month. Then a couple days later, they said, oh, wait, just kidding. Instead, we're just going to keep it at $10 a month, but you can only see three movies per month. Maureen, do you think that this is still sustainable? I mean, if people actually see three movies a month, there's no way this company can stay in business. I think what they're hoping for is that people will sign up for this and then see like one movie. Well, I think that's what they hoped for initially, but clearly they were, you know, they almost they had to take well, out know, a five they million make a dollar last loan. Ditch effort before they go bankrupt. So I say power to you, Movie Pass. I'm not going to be buying it, but if I you're don't a fan know. of movies, I mean, it seems like a great deal. It's yeah, still a good deal. Everyone should sign up and see at least three movies. Honestly, even if you saw at least two movies a month, yeah, it you would, would be, be so, worth it. If we didn't have a child, I would 100% get this. Because I love to see movies in theaters. It's just expensive. Yeah. Okay, Maureen, let's move on to our third snack bag topic. This is something you put on the list. So earlier this week... We had the Bachelorette season finale. Yeah, so Becca chose her Prince Charming. She chose spoiler alert, spoiler alert. She chose Garrett, mm. um, and they seem no, they seem like they're going to be really happy together. But basically, the previous Bachelorette, Rachel, put out a blog post saying, I think it's through Us Weekly, um, saying basically like, why the heck didn't I get my happy ending? And I really liked this piece mainly because I think it illuminates what we all kind of wonder with reality TV, which is how much control do the producers have? The producers, not only the producers, but also the editors, those who are deciding what gets on the air. So of all the things they film, how do they weave the story together and what do we as the audience see? Well, Maureen, go back a little bit and explain what you mean by... What, what she meant by her happy ending, because she did get engaged in the show, she correct? She did. But she was talking specifically about the portrayal of her finale, right? It wasn't even just the finale. It was or the of the whole, whole season. Yeah. So the guy that she ended up proposing to, she really loves, and they fell in love on the show. Brian, like she mentions in the blog post, Brian cried about proposing to me. She cried about how happy she would be. But those cuts of their interviews didn't make it into the final show. And I don't necessarily think it, it was done maliciously. I have no way of knowing. But I would imagine the producers were just trying to craft a story that would get the most ratings and have the most drama. But for Rachel, that ended up being where they played most on her not choosing the second runner-up. And they kind of left out a lot of the fun, happy stuff where she and Brian were falling in love. And, you know, rightfully so. She was like, well, how come you left that in for Becca, but you didn't leave it in for me? Um, so I just think it's really interesting and it's something that I'd love to learn more about in terms of these reality shows and how they decide kind of what the narrative's going to be. Somebody's making those decisions, and we as the audience only see the story they want us to see. So as a diehard Bachelor, Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise fan, it was just really interesting that she was kind of bringing to light a lot of these questions that I've already had. Okay, so to your point about um, Rachel being unhappy with her the way the show is edited. The only the only thing I would say to that is that when these people sign up for reality shows, they pretty much sign away their life. I mean, they 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 don't have much of a foot to stand on when they say like I'm not happy by by how it's portrayed. I mean, certainly you wouldn't want someone to to portray you in a light that you know wasn't who you really were, but we all know these reality shows they're built specifically to tell a story that's going to engage most people. You're totally right. It's just hard. And I 
I totally feel for Rachel. Right, she, that, but, but she went on a TV show to right, find but love. but she expected them to tell the real story, and the real story was her falling in love. And I think to her point also, she's like, well, why did you not do that for me, but do that for someone else? And that's where I think she has every right to say, like, you sure, know. Sure, she can be upset, but all I'm saying is that she signed something that was like, you know what, you can... I, I guarantee you in the contracts that everybody signs, there's language sure, that says yeah. you can portray me however you feel fit for the show. So I can understand being upset about it, but, you know. Well, the good news is that she said that she would be open to her and Brian having their wedding on I thought TV. They got, I thought they broke up. No, Are they still together? They're still together. Oh. That's her point is that everyone basically like wrote them off because their love story wasn't really told. So anyway, she said she was open to them doing the wedding because they, quote unquote, owe her a happy ending. And she wants a free wedding. Heck yeah, I would too. Weddings are expensive. So anyway, we'll see. Hopefully we see more of Rachel and Brian and we see more of like the actual love story. If they have a wedding on TV, we will cover it on the podcast. I'm sure it will be beautiful. Maureen, the next snackback topic is just something I found hilarious. Here's a story of a lovely house. Okay, Maureen, there she goes again with her snippet of song. Very good. So for those of you who might know, the Brady Bunch house was up for sale, the one that they use as the exterior of the home. And apparently there was some bidding war going on. And and the first report was that uh, former NSYNC member Lance Bass was the winning bidder on the house. And he was all excited. He posted on his Instagram that he had won the bid on the house uh, and then it turns out that, oh, wait, he didn't actually get it. A corporate entity came in, and that corporate entity was HGTV, and and outbid him and bought Which the house. everyone is happy about. Right, because HGTV says, look, we're going to restore it to the, you know, like the, to make it look like the Brady Bunch house on the inside or to the Which 1970s. Which it never did. It was only ever used as a Right, as the exterior. Right. So they're going to bring their team in, probably Jonathan and Drew Scott and... Who else? Uh, Joanna. Starting rumors. Now. Joanna. We don't actually know who we'll be working on. Joanna and Chip Gaines. They're going to bring a them all crew, in. A little they're gonna, crew. They're going to bring them all in, and they're going to make it the Brady Bunch house. Uh, my, Maureen, my question for you is, why did why did Lance Bass want the house so badly? I mean, is there any? I don't know. If I was like rich, and but is the he Dawson's... rich? How is yeah, he? How he's rich is Lance he? Lance Bass. He's famous. He's in sync. Bye bye bye. Okay, but the only in sync member who's really still doing anything is Justin Timberlake. I know, but maybe he invested his money well. All I'm saying is, if I were rich and somebody was like, "Oh, the house that was Dawson's in Wilmington, North Carolina, from Dawson's Creek, is all of a sudden on sale," I'd be like, "Yo, snap! I just bought us a summer home in Wilmington." I guess, but it'd be I, so fun. You'd have to be exceptionally rich for this to make sense. No, it's I just a so. house. Well, I don't know how much this particular house cost. It was millions of dollars. Also, it could all be a publicity stunt. Lance said that he felt like he, the realtor dragged him in just to jack up the price of the house. Either way, I I can't understand why he'd want it. And uh, but anyway, he lost out. We'll be looking forward to the HGTV special. Josh, what if you were rich and the friend's house? Or like the apartment, friend's apartment, the, right? The friend's apartment, or the apartment from Scrubs, where JD and Turk no, lived. I wouldn't buy that. It's weird. It'd be weird. I'd rather just buy a nice house than mm-hmm. than buy something. Sentimentality that was on a, is lost on Josh. I and think. I certainly wouldn't want that purple interior from the friend's apartment. <laughs> you could redo it. You would own it, right? But then it wouldn't be what you bought it for. You could just buy another house and do it however you want. I, I'm I'm not I'm not all about this buying. 
you know, famous houses and stuff. Let us know in the comments if there was a famous house that you were to, like, what would the show be? Like, what would the house be from for you to care enough about it to buy it? Mine would be Dawson's Creek. Mine would be nothing. Or if I could buy any of the Titanic set pieces. That's that's, that's totally different. I know, but that would be still really cool. Honey, I bought us a boat. Well, it's not really a functional boat, but it's sentimental. It's also on the bottom of the ocean. Most of it. about the movie set. I think they sunk all that stuff. All right, Annie. Speaking of movies, our yes, last snack bag. That was topic. a really good segue because we were getting really <laughs> off topic there. <laughs> Just reeling us back in. All right, Maureen. All right. Yeah. No. All right, Josh. You you always do the transition. I'm, okay. do, I'm doing this one. Okay. All right, uh, Maureen. All right. No. All right. All right, Josh. So, the Oscars, which is basically guys Josh's Super Bowl every year, they have some big changes. So they've recently announced a new category, and I will drum roll and turn it over to Josh because I know how excited he is about this. The Oscars official Twitter account the other day tweeted, quote, change is coming to the Oscars. Here's what you need to know. A new category is being designed around achievement in popular film. We've set an earlier air date for 2020. Mark your calendars for February 9th. We're planning a more globally accessible three-hour telecast. Okay, so many thoughts. The first of which is this new category. First of all, there was pretty much universal backlash to this new category. Why? The main gist is that, and and the, the best articulated argument that I saw, was that the addition of this category, which people assume is going to try to honor movies that make a lot of money at the box office, but otherwise would not be nominated for a major award at the Oscars. The biggest problem is that you further separate and you further categorize things that don't necessarily need to be categorized. So if you look at... It's like they're distinguishing highbrow, lowbrow without actually doing it. But look at where they're already doing it in categories like best foreign language film and best animated picture. There's almost a sense that oh, if you're nominated for one of those, you don't really need to be nominated for Best Picture because you already have your own category. But if a movie is good enough, why can't it be nominated for Best Picture? But what criteria are they using to determine if the movie is good, quote-unquote, good enough? It's the, I mean, it's the voters. But if you look at something like... Um, if you look at something like The Dark Knight, which in 2008 uh, did not get nominated for Best Picture, that was pretty critically acclaimed. It made a lot of money at the box office, but it did not get nominated for best picture and everybody said that's a real shame because it was a great movie um and so i think that the addition of a category like this is supposed to alleviate that but i think it will just further divide and you might never see a popular movie get nominated for best picture so it's essentially now you're talking about here we have to say what what is a popular movie because for example titanic best movie of all time in my personal opinion was nominated, didn't it win Best Picture? It, it did, did that year. Now, that was a huge success at the box office, but if you look and the, it was critically acclaimed. But if you look in the last 15 years, that's almost never been the case. I think probably since Lord of the Rings, The Return of the King won in 2003, you haven't had a movie that has made a lot of money at so the box office. That? I don't know. I think people are just you know veering more towards these indie art house films that that the academy voters can see because they get screeners but maybe don't really make it outside of new york and los angeles so i don't know i think personally i think that this new category is a bad idea uh a category i would love to see instead is best stunt performer 
I mean, Ooh, think about think about how much one. yeah, think about how much work that those people put in and are never recognized. And just think about how Tom Cruise would win this year for Mission Impossible because he did all of his own stunts. Tom, and he'd you finally win. get his Oscar. Yeah, you know he's actually been nominated three times for what? He was nominated for oh gosh, you're putting me on the spot. I'll look it up. Jerry Maguire. Oh, so good. You he was nominated for. I'm looking um, it up. Okay, Maureen's looking it up. All right, I've got the Tom Cruise deets. Let's hear it. So he's been nominated three times. The first was in 1990. Born on the 4th of July. Yep, born okay. on the 4th of July. Best I remembered actor. that. I, before, by, the, by the skin of your teeth, Goldman. Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire, best actor, 1997. And Magnolia. Yes, best yes. supporting actor in Magnolia. I want to, Maureen, can you, for the record, did I see the screen? He did not see the screen. I remember. That was all in time-pressured memory right there. Okay, Josh, let's jump to our marquee topic. So you sent me a really interesting article that was all about couples and TV and whether they will or they won't get together. Yeah, so this prompted a, a thought. Hey, maybe we could have a little marquee topic about this. Uh, will they, won't they couples that you've seen on TV? The article was on the website The Ringer, and they created this, uh, what they called the Goldilocks test, which is basically... Uh, are these will-they-won't-they they couples going on for too long, for too short, or just the right amount of time? So they cite some couples such as Ross and Rachel from Friends. They said that that was too long. Their will-they-won't-they they went on for too long. Uh, 89% of the show's run, so 210 of the 236 episodes. Uh, one that they said went too quick was um, the relationship of um, Jimmy and Kim on Better Call Saul, which neither Maureen nor I have watched yet, but basically for uh, 33% of the shows run 10 of the 30 episodes, uh, they are in that will-they-won't-they they scenario. And then they cite one that's just right, which is uh, the one they cited here was The Office between Jim and Pam. It's and 26% of the shows run. The other interesting part of the article was that they talk about it obviously, is the writers using this, you know, will they, won't they get together as a plot device, right? So they're in usually situational comedies um, that are lighter in nature. And this technique is employed to kind of create a little bit of drama and a little bit of suspense, but still in a comedic situation. I would argue not just in comedies. I mean, you see it in dramas as well. Yeah. I mean, think about, think about... I don't know if for as long, though. Maybe not for as long, but it's definitely still a plot device that you use. Think about... Well, of course. It's a plot device that could be used anywhere. I'm just thinking right. of it in okay. the example of sitcoms. Okay. So, Josh, as a viewer, do you enjoy this device kind of playing out? I have to say that personally, I am a hopeless romantic at heart. So I love will-they-won't-they they relationships on TV. I think that that is... Uh, it's one of my favorite things. And I think that when it's done right, like in the case of Jim and Pam on The Office... I mean, people were super invested in that TV couple. And in fact, so much so that Jenna Fisher, who played Pam, and John Krasinski, who played Jim, they still get asked to this day, more than like seven years after the show ended, whether they're in, whether they're together in real life. So that's, that's how so cute. that's how well they, they portrayed that on, on TV. But they're an example that I really like also because they... So my question about this was going to be with the will they, won't they, like, can a, like, functional, happy, normal couple ever kind of exist in these sitcoms and still be captivating? And I think they do that, and they do it well. Once they get together, 
then they're together. And then it's like about them, you know, navigating life as a married couple and having kids and that kind of thing. Well, if I'm thinking about shows that have done that particular point well, I would point to uh, Marshall and Lily on How I Met Your Mother. They were together for the entirety of the show's run, with the exception of one blip in their relationship but that wasn't a will they won't they it was more like they were having actual couple problems yeah but for the most part they were like really functional as a couple yeah because they weren't the will they won't they robin and ted were the will they won't right but you ask if if you can portray a will they won't they couple in a tv show and i think that's an example it's not like they were minor characters they were you mean a happy couple what did i say you said will they won't they oh oh yes 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 but what i'm saying is it's not as if they were minor characters they were accompanied by a will they, won't they? Can a happy couple ever exist on its own? Because you also had Monica and Chandler who served as that, like, okay, we're, we're the real stable couple going through real issues, but the whole show was bolstered by the Rachel Ross situation. Yeah, and I was going to say another show that Maureen and I really liked that was unfortunately canceled after three seasons was called Happy Endings, and there's a couple on there that is a very stable, functional couple, um, the characters Brad and Jane, but... Now that you say that, there was a will they, won't they at the center of it. So I don't know. I, you know, I just think it's not as interesting, you know, when you have a, when you have a relationship that's just, the, the reason we watch these shows is because there's some sort of drama going on. Okay. And I get that. But I think there's a lot of drama in real life. We just haven't necessarily figured out how to portray that in a way that's not, the word that keeps coming to my mind is maudlin. You know, like you'll see some of these more, more in movies. I've seen this, but you'll see some of these movies that are about like real married couples or not even married real couples that are dating or real couples that are living together or whatever it may be. But it's always like fraught with like, is this settling? Is this real life? Like, is this, you know, like the, are you saying that's a good or a bad thing? I'm saying it's not a good thing. I'm saying it's the kind of thing where that you watch those and you're like, eh, why am I watching? It's this? depressing. Right. No, it, it's not. Why am I watching this? It's more like, can't we just get a realistic or maybe even a, a slightly exaggerated, funnier, happier version of like a real life couple that's together? Yeah, but to me, that would just be sort of skirting the point that relationships in real life are tough. So if you want to see like a Oh, I'm not saying funnier, to make them all like, you know. Like Instagram fake? No, not that at all. But more like having a positive spin on the tough parts rather than than like a depressing spin on the tough parts. Yeah. Okay, Maureen, uh, before we wrap this topic up, do you have any favorite will they, won't they couples? Um, let me let me give you mine while, while you think, if, if you want me to. Sure. Okay. I think my personal favorite is, and they didn't have this in the article, but it was one on one of my favorite shows of all time, which is um, JD and Elliot on Scrubs. I, I just, their, their dynamic back and forth was really great and, I just cared about the characters throughout the entirety of the the series. They did end up getting together at the end, which is almost always the case. In I co- have one in that's comedies. Not. Oh, really? Oh, I guess maybe it's not a comedy. Oh, okay. Well, hit me with it. So Joey and Dawson on Dawson's Creek. Well, that's they're not... like the classic example of this. Like, I mean, the whole show was about her. Did she die? No. That Who was died? Jen. I'm sorry. I never that's watched so... Dawson's oh, Creek. Oh my gosh, you're gonna have to watch it now with me. Anyway, Joey and Dawson have this. Like, uh, they, they go back, they're best friends, and they go back and forth. She loves him at one point. He loves her at one point, And they never kind of, you know, make it work. But then I think at the it's end, probably because it's a drama. At the end, you think it's going to be them. And spoiler alert, it's not. It's 
she ends up with Pacey. So, but I think it's because it's a drama. I would say if you yeah. look at any comedy, will they, won't they couple? I think they almost always. If anybody knows of one where they don't get together in a comedy, please let us know because I cannot think of anything off the top of my head. Maureen, do you have any least favorite will they, won't they couples? Ones that just really drove you crazy. The article mentions this one a little bit, but the Jess and Nick situation in New Girl, my sister will be so mad for me saying this because she loves them. I love the show, but it, it was too much at the end. Like, it just needed to, like, be together or not be together. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. Maureen, what about the other one the article mentioned very briefly that uh, that you, I know you watched this show, Sex in the City. Oh, yeah, Carrie and Mr. Was that Big. an annoying one for no, you? You no. liked it? Yeah. Did they get together at the end? Yeah. Oh, they did? After, like, torturous amounts. Of, the movie was too much. The movie the movie took that to a new level. Like, when they were, like, getting married and then he left again. It was, like, another It was like another extension of the will they, won't they, after we already had the will they. I mean, they will. But in the show itself, I liked it. Hmm. Okay. I can't think of any least favorites off the top of my head. I mean, a lot of people... I think if I'd watched Friends when it was airing, I think I probably would have been annoyed by the Ross and Rachel thing. But because I watched it you know, when they were out on DVDs. Yes, I do own all 10 seasons of Friends on DVD. And I own all six seasons of Dawson's Creek on DVD. I think I would have been annoyed by Ross and Rachel, but uh, I wasn't because I was able to watch the episodes back to back to back. I just had this thought. I'm going to phrase it as a question and I'll give you the thought that I had. But Josh, if this was real life and you had two friends, would you, how would you feel about that? Like two friends that were like, behaving as Ross and Rachel did. I think it would drive me crazy. Yeah. I, my, the thought that I just had was like, if this, if I knew people like this in real life, I, I think would they be wouldn't like, be my friends you're anymore. You're bad for each other. Like you're making bad decisions. <laughs> like you need to like move on or like stay away from each other, whatever it is. Like, I mean, if I but knew then that a, takes the fun and the romance out of it. So if I knew, a just will, I, I just think I'd be like, uh, call me up when you guys are together or not together. And then we'll reconvene our friendship. Because I don't know if I can handle 10 seasons of people going back and forth like, oh Honey, my gosh. 10 seasons, it'd be 10 years of your real life. Okay, well, whatever. <laughs> All right, well, that'll do it for our marquee topic for this week. Let's jump into teasers. I will kick things off this week because I made Maureen go first last time. Um, actually, she wanted to go first. What am I saying? She wanted to go first. Okay, my teaser for this week. <laughs> the inner struggle of man. My teaser for this week is a YouTube series that I stumbled across. I don't even know how this... So YouTube recommends videos that it that it thinks you'll like. And I'm not even sure why this was recommended. But basically, I came across this video uh, on a channel called I Like to Make Stuff. And it's hosted by this guy named Bob Claggett. And basically, he is a husband and father of four three boys and one girl. And basically he just does woodworking projects. And obviously Maureen, as an aspiring- Is this where you came for, up with your idea for no, the no, no, stool? No, 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 but, but it was a, I discovered this after I found the plans for the stool. I'm gonna write Bob a letter and but, be like, listen you. But yeah, as an aspiring craftsman myself, uh, I, I'm just really fascinated. Like, okay, I will never be at the level this guy is. I mean, he has an entire workshop. I but hope someday that you are. I will eat- I would love to eat my words and, and have you have like an amazing studio someday where you just build us beautiful things and we can eat at a table that you made us and yeah, like this, that's our what children can sit in chairs. I know I want you to be able to do this, but I don't know if I'm willing to uh, 
wade through the stool making process <laughs> until you get there. I will have a, and I will have an update on the stool next week, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, this guy is just really interesting. He's like a fascinating guy. They bought a new house recently and he is doing all the work himself. So he completely renovated the room for his young boys. He built them a closet. I mean, it is like the videos are long, but they're totally worth watching. So uh, the YouTube channel is called I Like to Make Stuff. I will link it in the show notes. Maureen, what is your teaser for this week? My teaser is a delightful little snack in itself because it's all about food. It's called Worth It on BuzzFeed with Adam, Andrew, and Steven. And I feel like they're my friends because I like these guys so much. Um, but basically, it's two guys who are on camera and one guy who's doing the sound and the video recording. And they try three different kinds of food at three different price points. So one will be like super affordable. One is like, okay, this is a nicer meal, but still kind of affordable. And one is outlandishly expensive. So think like a $1,000 pizza. Um, so you get like a New York jumbo slice and then you get like one at a nice restaurant that's like 20 or 30 bucks. And, and then, then you get one with a gold leaf on top yeah. with uh, caviar. And they taste everything and they talk to the chefs of everything. And then at the end they pick, okay, of the three, which one was your worth it winner? Which one was the most worth it to you? And I just find them highly entertaining. I think they're really examples of like nice guys and it's a really warm friendship that they portray on the show like genuinely like you can tell the two guys like on camera really enjoy each other also they're sharing many many romantic meals together so you'd hope that they like each other um but no it's just a great example of you know male friendship and delicious food and it's a really interesting premise so check it out on buzzfeed that's our show for this week thanks for listening you can leave us feedback comments or questions on each episode by going to vernacularpodcast.com slash podcast we would love to hear from you and we would especially love to hear what you want to hear about on the show you can also reach us by emailing the podcast at vernacularpodcast.com Please also subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. We put out a new one every Friday, and if it's not too much trouble, please drop us a rating or a review. It helps other people find our show. We'll be back next week, as always, sitting cross-legged on our bedroom floor with a brand new episode. Bye, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. See you next week. How many different languages can you say goodbye in? Uh, okay, let me try. Au revoir. Is that uh, how you say it? Au revoir. <laughs> I usually say it like au revoir. You're probably more right. I don't know. Maureen. Au revoir. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's so mean. Au revoir. Okay. Au revoir, everybody. <laughs>